0: everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics Podcast. I'm here again with my co-host, Patrick lounsbury Patrick, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you doing today? I wish I could say I was good, but I just watched Evan Fournier channel his Game 6 clay against us um, once again. Uh, so I'll just say we're coming off three games since we last recorded. Uh, the comeback win against the Magic, and then you know the tragic losses against the Spurs and the Knicks. So, Celtics have dropped two of their last three. Patrick, just generally, where's your head at right now with the team?
1: My head's kind of like I'm pretty leveled right now, to be honest, because I think I, I, I may have been caught saying before the season started that I thought it was a bridge year, but I can't. Guarantee that because it's so long ago, but I, I think going into this year, I, the expectations for me, yeah, I think they were high as far as record went, but I think as far as like how far this team could go, wasn't as ambitious as most people.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it definitely is going to play out as a bridge year, and honestly, I'll be the first to admit I do think I set my expectations a little bit too high, probably for you know how the roster was constructed with a brand new coaching staff. I mean, it's not like COVID ever went away. Um, so, you know, I probably could have factored that in a little. I was a little more optimistic than maybe I should have been, but I'm with you, Patrick. I think my idea of where the ceiling was, was pretty realistic. Like, you know, winning a playoff series maybe is where I had the the ceiling. And if you got Tatum hot for 10 straight games, maybe you could win a second one. But I never really saw this team making the Eastern Conference Finals or making the finals, as sad as it is to say. Um, But, you know, I do think I set my expectations a little bit too high in the first place. But alas... You know, I don't think anything has really changed for me and you the past three games. You know, we're not getting too high, not getting too low, still trying to, you know, stay level-headed. Albeit, it's hard to stay level-headed after you lose back-to-back games like that. Am I right? No, absolutely. I think it's, it's
1: really tough. To lose those back-to-back games. And really, this could have been a really bad three-game losing streak because that Orlando game was rough, man. Uh, if it wasn't for Jalen Brown just pure willing his way to a Celtics victory, ah, this could easily have been a 50 piece. 3-0 skid. Yeah, that was his career high, man. Um, So he, he ends up joining Jason Tatum. And he's the seventh Celtic, Celtic to score 50.
0: Um, Jason Tatum has done it twice, though. so Crazy. Just, you know, yeah. yeah, it's just funny. We talked about the show before that about how Jalen, you know, is maybe potentially not the number one option on uh, on a team. And, you know, obviously I still believe that's true, but Jalen put up 50 by himself, man. He did everything he could to get that victory for us, so I just thought it was a little ironic, you know. After how bad the offense looked a couple times without Tatum, you know, Jalen comes on and puts a, show, puts a show on himself, so that was really impressive to see. But like you said, uh, we had to fight to- tooth and nail against uh, one of the worst teams in the NBA to get that victory. Realistically, Patrick, I don't think the Celtics should have gotten that victory. Um, you know, it just came down to, you know, making some shots, some crazy plays at the end of the game to force it to overtime and then, you know, making just enough plays to get over the hump and OT. But, you know, it was good to see that resilience. But, once again, playing one of the worst teams in the NBA, uh, their starting lineup is good. But, you know, I don't know. What, my major problem with that game was, you know, the first half was pretty good. Second quarter, offense sputtered, though. You know, nothing new there. And then the third quarter, just the last few minutes of the third quarter were just – Absolutely brutal. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And the first five minutes of the fourth were equally as brutal. So that put us in the hole we had to dig ourselves out of. But, you know, all in all, I was happy to see us bounce back from a little adversity. Yeah, I, I think during this three-game stretch
1: is we, we see the team that we've seen all season. And I think we talked about this, you know, many times off of the podcast that this team has kind of – and you said it best. Your quote was – this is the most consistent, inconsistent team. And that can't be truer because this team hasn't been able to put together four games where they are playing the same way. But the four games during those four games is like similar to what they would do in another four game thing. So it's kind of weird. It's it's like one week of basketball, you know, you know what you're going to get from them. And then next week you're going to get those same games, but maybe in a different order. And that's why it's pretty inconsistent. So it's it's just kind of a wild thing. Yeah, this this team has it, – it it pulls at your heartstrings, man. It pulls at
0: your Yeah, and, like, uh, it is frustrating to watch, you know, an inconsistent team right now. Of course, you know, nobody's happy about that. But, you know, I will cut this out. There's a little bit of slack, you know, given the injury and the COVID. You know, there's a lot of teams across the league right now that are inconsistent that, you know, we potentially, you know, thought we're going to be much better teams. Like, for example, the Atlanta Hawks are below us in the standings. That team went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Uh, you know, I, and I still have a positive approach with the with the Hawks. I still think they're going to be a good team. They can win playoff series. I don't think, you know, things are over for them by any stretch. It's just they have definitely been inconsistent this year. And, uh, you know, Celtics aren't alone in that, in that sense. You know, the Lakers obviously have been a, very much up and down, maybe a little more down than up. You know, maybe that's my Celtics fandom talking, but you know, I just want to say it's not. It's not like the Celtics are the only team going through this right now, but uh, it is. It is definitely frustrating.
1: Right? Yeah, and I think the thing that we we can agree on too. I think the thing that's most concerning about this team is that in games that are decided by five points or less, they're two and eleven. <laughs> like not being able to finish out those games that they're close is just. It's weird for us because as Celtics fans, we've had these teams who were good at closing games. Like we would be really good in games that were decided by five or less. And the worst part about this is like these five or less games is like most of the time we have had a pretty decent lead before even getting to that point and then losing. So it's it, that's why I think it's harder to understand and take. But it's it's really coming down to the ISO ball. The Celtics mm-hmm. players have talked about it. Emi has talked about it. They, they're trying to focus and play through the bigs later down the stretch but old habits are hard to break so it's easier said than done and I understand that so they're going through these growing pains but also like we talked about today uh, before the show we listened to Jason Tatum kind of talk about the time that they spent in that Eastern Conference Finals earlier in his career and now how he thought it was kind of like that's just how it was you know winning in the NBA that you it was it came that easy and I think that this adversity is great. I think it's great because it's humbling. It's putting this in front of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown's face. Like this is like the worst that they've been, like record-wise, if so far into a season in their careers. I was about to say since they came into the league for real. Yeah, so it's more of like a, you know, this league isn't that easy. Like you can't just. It's not. I put my foot on the gas in my first three years and then I can let it off a little bit and it's still going to be like that. No, no, no. You got to go out there and you got to keep your foot on the gas at all times. And the work ethic has to even get stronger. So I think that them having this humbling experience and, and going through this growing stage, I think it's going to help with their development and maturity as as well. And I think it's going to level them up.
0: Yeah. You know, honestly, it feels kind of weird to take a positive spin, but I do agree because, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I don't even really need to echo all the things you just said, but you know, they the Jalen and Jason, not that they didn't face adversity. They were just in a really good situation coaching wise, you know, they didn't have to, you know, do a lot of creation, you know, when they had Kyrie and Hayward and Isaiah, you know, for Jalen in the beginning, um, So, yeah, honestly, this is most certainly the most adversity they faced as far as like, you know, being the leaders of a team and, you know, trying to win games like as the two guys. I mean, that quote from JT, you know, his eyes have been opened. And I do think this is good long term for their development because, you know, you don't want to be like the kid who has a silver spoon. I'm not trying to say they didn't work for what they got, but you understand, you know, they came into the league, saw playoff success year after year in their first years in the league. That's just not something that happens for a lot of young guys. And I definitely think they're privy to that now. Um, And, you know, they've just improved immensely. Jalen specifically, obviously Tatum has improved, but Jalen has just improved every single year so much that I have personal faith in these guys. Um, And that can kind of segue into uh, maybe another talking point real quick is, you know, Jalen's ability to create right now. A lot of people are on him. You know, you mentioned to me the other day, he's one of the only, (laughs) I think he's literally the only guard in the NBA with more turnovers than assists. Um, and I think that, you know, playmaking is not something Jalen has really been asked to do, be like a a playmaker for other players. And I think that's a skill, you know, you most likely improve in the off season, you know, when you have a lot of time to add a skill to your game, like Jalen has, you know, the past four or five years. Um, so that's not really something I'm going to ride Jalen too hard for, you know, given, you know, that's not something he's ever been asked to do, but I do think that's a potential step for Jalen's growth into being, you know. A superstar, as opposed to just a guy who's a twenty-five point per game scorer.
1: No, absolutely, and uh, th- I think one of the other things that on the Jalen Brown thing is it's not his always his playmaking that I'm I think I'm frustrated with. I think it's his decision making. I think he tries to split defenders too much when he gets doubled instead of giving up the ball i guess that kind of falls under playmaking a little bit because it's, it's like you've got to play make it. but my thing is like he's his turnovers sometimes aren't coming off passes it's coming off of trying to force things <laughs> that aren't there i i think that more comes to a maturity of just understanding the situation better uh, decision making just needs to be a little better, but that I guess that falls under you know playmaking in a in a mm-hmm. sense. But so, I understand what you're saying. Um, you know, but, it's
0: more basic reads than anything. Like if they're setting a second, yeah, guy, did, move
1: it. yeah, yeah. It, it, for me, it's more just clarity for for the people listening uh, mm-hmm. to understand it. Like when we say playmaking, playmaking doesn't just mean passing to another player. Right. It just means making the right decision. You know, just understand it's it's having that offensive IQ. And I think Jalen is a bit of a tunnel vision type of offensive player, which is can be good and bad, you know, and and that's what, you know, we take with is he's really good at scoring. So when he's on and that tunnel vision's on and he's locked in, you're like, yeah, this is what we want to do. We want him to look for his shot, look for the attack, 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 attack. But then there's moments where it's like, Hey man, this is the moment where you got to pull back that ain't it that ain't that ain't the type of style you want to play so uh that's the type of growth we are we're wanting to see from Jalen brown and we're not expecting it to happen you know in this season we're not expecting it to just happen over over one off season i think that's just like a a point of his game that can be developed and i think that's his next step as a player in general um and, and, you know, what? we won't we won't be going into like each game individually here and we don't have to go through each game and, and break things down. But we do want to shout out uh, Jalen Brown, you know, had dropped a career high in that uh, Orlando game, uh, the first of these three games. And he was uh, he was a little inconsistent in the beginning as far as like taking care of the basketball. I think he did finish with seven turnovers. Well, ultimately, the Celtics don't win this game without him. And you heard him in the press conference. They asked him about um, the game and everything about it. He said, We needed this effing win. We did. Enough said. That's what he said. He said, There's no way we effing losing this. So he was very explicit about his reasoning for why he was so aggressive and, and was putting up the numbers he was. I mean, he was locked in, man. He was not going to go in that Orlando game and come out with a loss. So yeah, he was phenomenal. You know, we tip your hat to him you know you can push away the size and all that but i i really understand the the quality that Jalen brown brings to the team and we also talked about it man i just think he's like a really good 1b you know like he's not the 1a he's not that not that one, number one option but he he doesn't have to be man he, right. he could be the, the second option and i think he does that best and
0: uh yeah i mean as far as like you know i just heard a lot of Celtics fans you know not not either of us but I just heard a lot of Celtics fans coming down really hard on Jalen after this Knicks game, right? And he played so terrifically against the magic and even in the Spurs game, you know, people want to talk about the missed layup. Of course, you know, well, of course I want Jalen to make that layup, you know, all of us do, but he played a really good game up until then. And like you said, this tunnel vision sort of deal is a double-edged sword because when Jason is not playing, I mean, Jalen is the Celtics offense. So you know, when Jason is not playing, we virtually need Jalen to have tunnel vision, you know, attacking downhill, taking his open jump shots, you know, in order for us to get points on the board. So I just wasn't really even saying that, you know, you said that obviously he can clean up his passing, but I just heard a lot of self expanse, you know, coming down a little bit hard. But, uh, you know, I just think, like you said, it's a double-edged sword, but I would rather have, you know, Jalen be aggressive going downhill, you know, as opposed to, you know. Getting in that chuck, the chuck some threes, which you know the Celtics over the past couple of years have really liked to do. Uh, but you know, who else played well in the game? Schroeder actually had a good game against the uh, against the Magic. You know, I hope I didn't sound too surprised by that, but you know he had a good game. Um, you know, with Dennis, it comes down for me it comes down to is he making his shots, and is he making the right pass? Because you know, oftentimes I've mentioned I feel like he stops the ball a little too much for my liking. And you know, if he's not making the shots. When he's stopping the ball, like from flying around on offense, you know, he adds pretty much nothing. Um, He's been pretty inconsistent defensively. I don't want to sound too harsh on the guy, but it's been pretty rough. Uh, But he was a big reason why we got that win in Orlando. And, you know, he hasn't been too bad the last few games. So I got to give Dennis his props there, but we can definitely move on. I don't really have much else to say about the Magic game Um, besides Franz Wagner. is going to be good for a very long time in this
1: league. Franz Wagner is going to be very good. And and to kind of address that elephant in the room, as you can kind of tell with the tone with Dennis Schroeder, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's clear that's me and lucas are in agreement that he's just not a good fit for the style of basketball that we are trying to play dennis isn't the type of player we want doesn't mean that he's a bad player he's a you know or anything like that it's he he can contribute when he's playing well it is you know beneficial to a degree i think um but his this team needs playmaking pretty bad and he's kind of the the opposite of playmaking he kind of hangs onto the ball too much kind of stalls out possessions the offense kind of gets a little monkey. you know. It's it's just a situation where I think that this team would be better off without him moving forward, and I can see why the team has been in rumors of, of potentially moving off of him uh, before the trade deadline. So it, it's nothing that we hate Dennis Schroeder. We don't want to come across not. that we don't hate him. It's just some guys are good fits and some guys aren't, and I think the system that we're trying to run, Dennis, just doesn't fit.
0: Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Patrick. I mean – Schroeder's the type of guy, you know, maybe in a team that really lacks um, some shot creation. He's a terrific guy as your six-man. You know, he almost won six-man of the year in OKC. You know, if you need shot creation, instant offense, you know, that kind of feels where, like, Dennis's position is. Like, you know, to really fit in on a team. Unfortunately, I mean, yes, we love the offense because we know how bad the Celtics offense has been. But, you know, like I said, I couldn't say any better myself than you did, Patrick. What we need is playmaking. And... Unfortunately, I just think Dennis doesn't make enough of the simple, correct passes, quick enough passes, you know, to really be, you know, a 30-minute-a-game type of guy on our team. And I definitely would not be surprised if he got moved to a playoff team who needs that little boost of offense for Kyle Anderson. That's in my dreams, but uh, I definitely see that being actually kind of a good trade for both sides. Maybe we throw in a second there, but I'm not going to stop banging the slow-mo drum. Until, you know, the deadline,
1: He's manifesting, guys. He's manifesting. Manifesting. There. I'm okay. trying.
0: I'm trying. You know, that's what people call it. I have my crystals here, Patrick. You know, I'm just kidding. There's no crystals. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to manifest slow-mo uh, onto the Boston Celtics.
1: Hey, man. Um, I also wanted to give a shout-out to Marcus Smart in that uh, Orlando game because he made that key steal with 37 seconds left in that fourth quarter. I thought that uh, that was the, the key steal where he came over, ripped it out, and then... Got it to Jalen, and that's when I ended up tying the game and sending it to overtime. I just don't want to, like, overlook Marcus Smart. I think he's been great in these past few games. He's made some really winning plays. Even if the Celtics weren't winning, he's given the Celtics an opportunity. Um, So I just want to give him a little little shine there. But going into that San Antonio game, I have to address this because Mm -hmm. I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I think you can know where I'm going with this, but, like, Less than a minute into the game, it's 2-0, and Pop oh, just is, is not having it. Pop is not <laughs> having the start to this game. He's like, nope, timeout. This dude calls a timeout with 53 seconds into the game, and I'm just like, that's got to be like a record. 53 seconds into a game, and, and great Pop is just like, yeah, man. No, nah, we call a timeout. Let's reset ourselves. I don't like what I see here rips into his team a bit and <laughs> it says let's all right, let's go out there. But
0: it was only two oh man. That was hilarious. What did you think of that situation? No, he's, that's classic pop right there. That is that was funny to me. But honestly I think he did the right thing as a coach because the Spurs came out flat. And he wasn't about to let it get to ten to two before he called that timeout, you know. I just love pop. That was this quintessential pop right there, calling a timeout, you know, under a minute into the game. Uh, and you know, he may have a quick timeout himself, you know, not not too long after that. Um because the Spurs kind of bounce back, but I think, uh, you know, it just it just tr- to transition to the Spurs game, you know, talking about Smart again, Smart, another game where he just made numerous, numerous winning plays towards the end of the game, and you know, people are maybe gonna pick out, you know, a couple missed threes that he had. Um, literally had zero turnovers. I thought Smart played a really, really good game, and while I do think Smart can handle the playmaking roles, you know. He's getting better and better at it. I just think it would really help if you know he had maybe another guy to take the burden off. But Smart has just played absolutely terrific. You know these past few games. If we take out the four missed threes against the Knicks in the fourth.
1: Quarter. Nine minutes into that Spurs game, how many assists do you think uh, Marcus Nine Smart minutes
0: had? in. I would say he had four assists.
1: Close, close. Marcus Smart had five assists, man, Marcus. and seven potential. Seven potential. So he was slinging that thing in that first quarter, man. Big shout out to Marcus Smart. I thought he had an amazing playmaking ability in that first quarter of that Spurs game. Uh, I loved everything I saw from him. I thought that was his best quarter of the season uh, as a playmaker. And that is why me and Lucas were so high on him potentially being a playmaker. Mm -hmm. I know that's not what we get from him quarter in and quarter out. But that's also like kind of unfair expectations, right? He's Nobody's in the NBA 20, and also twenty assists. Like, come on, we're not going to get that. And I think uh, as,
0: yeah, he's never been asked yeah. to go before, you know. So we got to. Get- and it's
1: a new coach, new new offensive system. It's not like Brad Stevens is like, yeah, now you're you got a playmaker in my system. It's like, all right, cool. I at least know the plays. Now I just got a playmaker. <laughs> no, nah, he's learning a whole new offensive system. He's learning how to play make. It's it's a lot to put on a guy's plate, and then you also got like you know, the teammates calling each other out a little bit in the season. You know things are kind of a little murky right now. You know this is a little rocky. You know, it's, it's most rocky it's been for Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum since they've all played together. So things honestly, are kind of not going the way. So honestly, it's nice.
0: And and to sell it, just to piggyback off you like. He said as the best quarter of the season he's played, I would probably agree playmaking wise. And on top of that, this is about as perfect a Marcus smart game as you could ask for. You know, he was making those winning, making those winning plays at the end of the game. Uh, he shot 50% from the field and from three and he had six assists to zero turnovers. So I don't know what more you could ask for. He only took four threes. He made half of them. He made the assists. He got rebounds. He made the winning plays. And unfortunately, you know, he just made a winning play that led to a missed layup. That's all. You know, it, it's just too bad. But, you know, the thing is, it's like, you know, I, I beat this drum at the beginning of the season and I still want to stay on the same course. It's all about process over results. We know the process has not been ideal, right? But would a made layup have really changed how I'm feeling that much? Simply put, no. Would the RJ Barrett 3 rimming out and us going to overtime winning, would have changed how I feel? Not that much we'd really be in the same situation. We're just a couple lucky slash unlucky bounces uh, from being on a four game win streak instead of a two game losing streak. So uh, I just want to emphasize, you know, as great as it would have been, you know, to be 20 and 18 right now, instead of 18 and 20 above 500 on a four game winning streak, feeling good going into, you know, the rest of the January schedule. It's not like anything would have drastically changed had the outcomes of those games, uh, you know, been different. So, As frustrating as it is, I just do want to, you know, emphasize that, that, you know, I don't think two plays, you know, would have changed my entire season outlook on the Celtics.
1: Yeah, and then also, like, you know, Jason Tatum in this game wasn't his best self. This was his first game coming back from COVID a second time. He talked about it. He says he he didn't feel as bad as he did when he returned from the last time he had COVID. I'm pretty sure he is... uh, vaccinated now i can't really 100 percent confirm that but I'm, I'm almost pretty sure that he is uh but to this point of T- tatum here uh there's a point in that second quarter where like you know his shot's not going And a lot of people are like man when tatum's not shooting well he's bad you know and i wanted to point out that that's not the case at all actually with jason tatum because he he still stays engaged on every other part of the game and that's something that i feel gets overlooked way too much with jason tatum um, I had a note here in that second quarter. There's a m- moment there where he had an open three-pointer, missed it pretty badly, just bricked it, you know, shot, just kind of not not falling there. But then he shot. literally, he, no, he actually literally went back on defense, mm. was super engaged, was on a fast break, and he got a block. So it's just like you can say what you want. About Jason Tatum uh, when he's having an off shooting night, but when he's still shooting poorly, he finds ways to impact the game in different ways. And he's been great on the defensive end this season. I don't care what other people are are gonna he's say awesome. because you don't maybe he doesn't get the blocks as much, maybe he doesn't get the steals as much, but he alters shots a lot and he he forces guys to pick up their dribble and pass out. So I just wanted people to to understand that Jason Tatum is doing a lot more um, than just being a scorer this season. And that alone is going to be good moving forward because it's going to be more natural, more natural, more natural. That's been a big level up for him this year because he's always had a pretty been a pretty good defender, but I feel like he's really locked in this season as a defender. That that part of his game is has really took a step up. He's one of the better wings as a defender this year and I just had to give him a little shout out.
0: No, yeah, and that's why I feel like people have this misconception that Tatum is uh, I just when they say that or they're just you know frustrated about the team and they're just taking it out on jason Uh, because like you're saying jason is engaged in all facets of the game i mean yeah maybe he could cut a little bit more okay maybe he could move a tiny bit more off ball okay but i feel like he does a pretty solid job of that as is you know he's not perfect at it he's not avery bradley but okay avery bradley is one of the best cutters in the last 10 years you know he's a very good cutter okay and uh I just feel like people love to say that about Tatum when I really, really don't think that's true. Especially seeing how you know he's made some progression in the passing and playmaking uh, playmaking area of his game, and you know that's not reflected because he doesn't have knockdown shooters around him to kick out to. So you know I feel like people just love to have this narrative about Jason that he's a me, me, me type of player. All he does is score. When I just, I just don't agree with that at all. I know he's locked in in every facet of the game right now: team defense, on-ball defense, passing, scoring. And like I said, maybe a tad bit better off-ball movement, but really, I mean, that's pretty nitpicky of me to ask
1: for. Yeah, and it was also cool, too. They they took a picture. Popovich and Imei uh, and Jason Tatum had his oh, gold medal, awesome. uh, brought it to the ring. They took a picture before the game. Uh, for people who don't remember, you know, back when USA just won the gold medal, Imei was the one of the assistant coaches. Popovich was the coach, you know. so And also uh, Johnson, Karen Johnson was uh, – also on on the USA team, which was actually pretty funny because Jason Tatum hit a three with 33 seconds left in that second quarter, right in uh, right when uh what's it called right in Johnson's face, and he kind of like talked to him a little bit and slapped him as like hey man I got you there
0: blah blah. Just kind of joking back and forth. Just thought it was a cool little altercation
1: between the two, and uh, yeah, really enjoyed that a bit.
0: And uh, and then the whole segment where they had the you know all the Celtics players congratulating Jason on his gold medal, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and you know it doesn't. I do feel like the team is in a good spot. Like. Uh, you know, like chemistry-wise with each other as far as like getting along with each other. I don't think, you know, there's any ill will like that. You know, it really seems like the players care about each other. It's just more of, you know, an encore mentality when they're facing adversity that I think is more the issue than anything internal. Like, you know, people love to talk about, you know, the, the arguments in the locker room the past couple of years, but I think that gets overblown. And I think a lot of these guys really, really do like each other, even the new guys. I mean... I could just tell by Josh Richardson's energy that he enjoys being here. He enjoys his teammates. It feels like they're a pretty close-knit group. Because, uh, you know, come on, Marcus, Rob, Grant, even Jalen, Jason. I mean, they've grown together on this team. You know, Al, obviously. So I do think Um, I just love to see that. You know, you could kind of see in those interviews that those guys were genuinely happy for Jason, man. And this team seems like they all uh, get along pretty well. But back to the game itself, I mean, Keldon Johnson – NBA's best three-point shooter this year. He killed us three out of four threes. Doesn't take a high volume, but man, can he knock it down. That is really uh, – he's really an impressive player, man. He's hes kind of shaped his game a lot differently than what I thought it would look like in the NBA coming out of Kentucky. I just want to shout him out. Uh, just going to get a few shout-outs out of the way here for San Antonio. DeJounte Murray, one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, playing absolutely unbelievable ball. He's averaging around 29 and eight right now. I mean, Patrick, he's the guy we talked about joining the Celtics. We're a little concerned about the shooting, but given how he's played this year, I would just absolutely love to have him on the squad. And lastly, you know, a guy who Patrick wants to see where Kelly green and a guy who ended up killing us, you know, at the end of the game is Derek white phenomenal point guard out of uh, Colorado. I, I do believe terrific guy. Those three players really did the majority of the damage, uh, in this game, also Devin Vassell, a uh, terrific second-year player um, who I really liked in the draft, but, you know, we don't need to dive too deep into that. Those four guys really did all the scoring. Nobody else had double figures for them, um, but I would say it's particularly felt like uh, DeJounte and Derek White, uh, you know, really got to do what they wanted against us and made a lot of tough shots, to be fair.
1: Yeah, and, and this game was kind of back and forth. The whole game was Very. close, pretty good, uh, pretty good, close game, kind of just exchanging punch after punch. No team really felt like they were distancing themselves at all or anything like that, but uh, I think Derek White made the winning plays when it mattered and he made some huge plays on the stretch. He ended up hitting that mid-range jumper right over Al Horford uh, in that fourth quarter and then on the following um, one of the following plays after that the Celtics were pushing it on a fast break and Jalen Brown got a steal and it looked like the, the Celtics were about to have some momentum, possibly tie the game up, and Jalen goes up, get, lands the layup, but Derek White put himself in position to take a charge. He may ended up uh, trying to challenge it, didn't that was, get overturned. It that was, was a crazy a sequence. To me, that was um, not a
0: charge. I'm sorry. You
1: know, you know, I, yeah, but I think I think what made it a charge was. Jalen's shoulder ended up hitting him in between his in between his shoulders. His chest, and think he had enough. I think he had enough positioning, and I think Jalen was trying to in. move, and he leaned in. Yeah. So I think he kind of the moving doesn't matter as much if he leans in. So I think the way Jalen moved as well kind of almost counteracted it. So it was kind of a situation where it's like it could have been a fifty-fifty either way. So they kind of kept it what the call yeah, was. Yeah, I
0: respect that. So I wasn't even I mad at that. that.
1: I, I couldn't it You know, like, it it, it sucks at the end of the day because, you know, you want to see the and-one tie and then possibly go up there. That would have been a huge play. But, yeah, and and then you also have the Celtics, you know, get the strip. Jalen Brown forced a huge strip and gets a jump ball, but then we lose the jump ball, and then they bobbled it, and then, like, three Celtics get hands on it, didn't even get it, so they foul. So it was like they had those opportunities to get the ball. And then then they get the inbound with seven seconds left, and – they literally steal it. Jalen Brown, he just throws it to Jalen Brown because the coverage was so good. They already used their timeout. And Jalen Brown gets a pretty good look at a layup and just blows it. So, like, at the same time, it's like I'm definitely not going back to that plan being like we lost because of a call. Uh, we lo- we lost the game because we didn't hit our shots, man. We didn't hit the layups. We didn't hit when we had to do. We didn't take advantage of the 50-50 opportunities. The loose balls when it was a up-in-the-air type situation, we just didn't take advantage. We slipped our fingers. Guys just didn't didn't grab the basketball. The Spurs played well enough in that game to get the win. Um, Boston ended up dropping, you know, 97-99 and a tough loss. And, and Jalen just missed that
0: layup, man. And tell me if you agree. I mean, a lot of it comes down to the Celtics making open three-pointers. I mean, the stats across the board in this game, team stats-wise, were pretty even. Celtics actually had an advantage in the turnovers by eight. They had eight less turnovers in a game they lose by two. That's kind of shocking. But we shot a little bit worse from three. And honestly, you know, there's been some three-point regression from guys we expect to make open threes. Um, with the exception of Grant Williams, pretty much everyone else has regressed in the three-point shooting category. Most notably, Al Horford down 10 percentage points on wide open threes from 38 to 28. Um, and that's just not good. Um, you know, and not to say Al played, has been playing awful, but he definitely is not playing as good as he was in the beginning of the year. And that's kind of why I harped on, you know, Can't throw away those good Al Horford games because there's a lot of mileage on his body. We don't know how many we're going to get, but uh, the shooting is definitely something that's concerning. And I don't know, Patrick, do you agree? We make two threes in this game that were open. Who knows? Could win the game. I really think, you know, it boils down to some things as simple as that. You know, we don't need to do a think piece. You know, it was a missed layup and a couple missed shots away from the outcome. I I
1: think, you know, like like we said, the Celtics are 2-11 in games decided by five points. I think... A lot of those games is, you know, a couple shots go in and it's it could have been different, but they didn't. And it's been a year that it's been like that. You know, Jaylen. this team has to learn to get out get out of adversity and, and close out games and, and be that team. But they Jalen once in.
0: again was great. I mean, he was twelve of twenty five for thirty points, once again looking like his confident self. You know, he, he was quite good, again, offensively in this game. Um, but I have a question for you, Patrick. I'm just looking at the stats now. How many free throws do you think were shot between both teams?
1: Uh, each, like, or, or together? In total. So, total between both teams.
0: I'm going to guess eight. Oh, okay. Well, it was a little more. It was 14, but still, it was a very clean game. I mean, uh, the Spurs only shot five free throws. The Celtics only shot nine. Um, and, you know, it's a very back-and-forth game, and it just, you know, Kind of just stinks that you know the Celtics couldn't get back that one last time with that layup. You know, Smart missed a Smart missed a layup at the possession before too, but I'm not going to harp on him too hard because you know we were not even in that position without a couple plays that Marcus Smart makes down the stretch. So uh, just a tough, tough elegance. You know, one of the one of the lower ranked teams in the Western Conference, albeit I wouldn't call them a bad team. Okay, they have good players, the best coach of all time in NBA history. Uh, and, you know, it feels like they've been a trap games for a lot of good teams this year. Uh, and, you know, I just wish we could have pulled it out. But it's pretty much all I got for that game, man.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't have much uh, left as far as that Spurs game goes. So, yeah, we can so, just so, – Oh, man. So we get to go into the Michael Jordan game. Uh, game six clay fusion of, of a player um, dropping 41 on the Celtics. You, you, you can go ahead
0: uh oh, you know, I told somebody before the game, I said, you know, don't be shocked if Evan Fournier goes for 50. And now obviously I was being a little sarcastic, but this man actually went for 41 points against us. I mean, and it's not like the Celtics were playing bad defense on him. Like it's not like this guy was just getting open look after open look after open look. He was 10 of 14 from three. Okay. Coming off a bunch of terrible shooting games. I mean, I don't know what maybe Fournier really takes it personally that you know Brad didn't want to bring him back after Danny traded for him i don't know but this man has it out for the Celtics i believe he's now averaging about 34 points a game against the Celtics i mean bro uh, we, i don't even think he's averaging 20 points a game on the season he's averaging 34 against us I think it's like 35 actually, my bad.
1: 30, not bad. 35 or something or 36 35 yeah, on that. the dot he's because he because he had 32 32 41
0: and what do you think he's averaging on the season patrick i'm a guess 11 13.5 He is almost tripling his scoring average against us. And, you know, our thing has been defense. So, you know, like I said, they were a lot of tough shots, so I'm not really going to knock the Celtics' defense for it. But uh, this was a rough game because, you know, the Celtics, if you just watched the first two quarters and shut the game on and went out to dinner with your family, I know you're in a good mood that whole time you're at dinner because you're thinking, wow, Celtics look amazing. We are going to, you know, win by 20 against these sorry Knicks. Um, but unfortunately you know that's not the Celtics we know it's the Celtics we know play terrible in the third quarter every time and then continue on into the fourth quarter playing terrible so I don't know this was a rough game for me Uh, another game you know I didn't even talk about it yet you know it was 105-105 on five seconds to go the Knicks inbound the ball RJ Barrett hits a side leaning smothered by Jason Tatum three pointer that goes off the glass and in. uh and like I said, that's just, you know, sometimes you lose on a shot like that. Uh, sometimes you lose on a mislayup like that. I don't, I don't think it drastically changes my outcome, but it definitely drastically changed my mood. I can tell you that much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I want you to, to kind of guess here. Let's see. At halftime, Celtics were up 63 right? 47. Right. Um, Knicks into that that uh, first half on an eight zero run, which made it closer than it should have been, even though that, that's a pretty good uh, lead. However... Uh, that's tough, man. However, how many points do you think Julius Randle had going into half? Four. That's a good guess. He's seven points. How many points do you think Evan Fournier had going into Twelve. half? Try 19. <sighs> Uh, What about uh, who do you think was the third leading quickly, scorer quickly, on the Knicks quickly, in the half?
0: Quickly. If it's Todd it was
1: a tie, between, it's tied. tie between Robinson and Quickly oh at five God. points each. So it, it was just kind of crazy. And then, so we'll go on the Celtics side here now, right? Who were the top three scorers on the Celtics going in the first half?
0: I mean, going into halftime, I would definitely say Jalen and Tatum and Smart.
1: Ooh,
0: oh, it's no, it's probably Dennis name. instead of Smart, isn't it? It is Dennis. Mm-hmm.
1: So Dennis had 16 points leading all Celtics. Ugh. Tatum had 15 points. Brown had 12.
0: Wow, so that's a combined eight points in the second half from Schroeder and Jalen.
1: That's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah, it's combined eight points. Enough. That's what I'm saying. So it's like we we want to say that, like, Dennis had a good game here. He had a good first half. You know, He had a good, good half.
0: first half, yeah.
1: Good half. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. He had a good first half. It is what it is. He was, um, uh, how do we say it in the nicest way possible? God-awful in that fourth quarter. Also, I don't know what Imei was doing as far as keeping him in for that fourth quarter ending. But ju- just to go into as well on the Celtics here, they end the first half on an eight zero run, and then the Knicks start the third quarter on a 6-0 run. So that's a total of a fourteen zero run. From going inning a half and going into the next half, that that is how you blow leads. I mean it, like you got to be more locked in than that, man. I I just don't I don't understand. Like I can get get it like if you give up like an eight run, who bounce back? You know, half comes. That's your time to you know get back into it and engage. But to literally like give up a run and then come out after a break and a half, and then going into another, like, run, giving up on that run is just not not good basketball. Like, that's something that needs to find a way to be fixed. And I don't know what the answer is because we've seen it all year. The third quarter and fourth quarter Celtics have been miserable to watch. I mean, I just uh, – if I had to cover only the first half of the Celtics, I'd be the happiest person in the
0: world. I'm saying this would be
1: amazing. This team might be undefeated. Like, it's It's <laughs> insane. Because it's this first half team is like super engaged, has all the energy. And then the second half team is like, meh.
0: I mean, it's unbelievable to score 42 points in the second half after we scored 63 in the first half. That's just, I mean, it's just hard to even find a team that can have such a scoring discrepancy in the halves. It's just quite, quite frankly, it's unbelievable. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, the Celtics' defense didn't worry me in this game. It just was honestly a lot of just ridiculousness. A couple of specific plays I did not like. Um, like, this is very fundamental basketball, but, you know, when you close out, you're supposed to chop your feet. You're not supposed to just run and jump at a guy a few times to get Fournier going. You know, one time, I hate to call out our guy Grant, but it was Grant and Jalen one time. They didn't close out. They just ran to the shooter and just jumped by. Fournier is a composed enough offensive player to shot fake, set his feet, make a three ball. You know, when he's on fire in a revenge game like he was. Um, so there's a couple things like that. You know, that's nitpicky, but it's fundamentals, man. You need to be able to close out on a shooter like that without flying past him. And then, you know, uh, secondly, something I would like to cover that's a positive, if you don't mind, is Jason's passing. Jason finished this game with nine assists, but he could have finished with what felt like 15 if he had anybody making shots around him.
1: No man, he's he was making wonderful reads. Like this was a masterclass Jason Tatum game. Like I thought this is MVP level Jason Tatum. When people are like he could be an MVP candidate, this is him. Like this is this is what we envision. This is what we see, this is what we sculpt. The the seed on the court has been so amazing. I thought he was making perfect decisions in that fourth quarter. Jason Tatum's fourth quarter was Damn near flawless, I thought. Uh, he was making all the right passes when he needed to. He was making the right, taking the right shots when he had to. Even if he didn't hit a shot, I felt like it was the right shot because he was open. Uh, I know he had a couple wide open ones and he missed that fourth quarter, but he also hit a couple tougher ones over guys to kind of keep the Celtics in it. But when he ended up drawing those double teams, he made the exact right pass. Um, most of the time it was to Marcus Smart, and Marcus Smart was able to make the defense pay a few of those times and those are the points are like that I just feel like they kind of go unnoticed because you got to understand like Jason Tatum is is the best player on the team and he's the number one player in scoring as far as the fourth quarter goes he has the most points in the NBA in the fourth quarter than anyone else in the league um and he's still finding ways to make the right choice and not forcing it as much as he was used to. I think Jason Tatum didn't force much in that fourth quarter. I thought every shot was calculated. I thought every pass was really good. So, man, Jason Tatum, it, this is this is the level of guy I want to see on a more consistent basis. I think we get this more consistent Jason Tatum, we win more games. Even if this game was a loss and he was played like this, I think we have the ability to win more games because I don't think the rest of the people around him play as bad every time in the fourth quarter as long as he's playing like this level.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, like I said, this is this looked like MVP Tatum to me. 12-21, 36 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds, 2 steals, 1 block, only 2 turnovers. I mean, the thing is, is also, you know, like we said, he didn't play a great game um, against the Spurs. But what he did do, Patrick, is attack. He was relentless going to the hoop you know he didn't make a lot he shot six for 20 in that game but I can't say it as many times as I possibly can process over results we don't want Tatum settling and guess what you know okay yeah maybe we lost the game you know for a lot of different reasons but you know because Tatum didn't shoot well in that game okay well I liked what I saw of him going downhill attacking the hoop I need him to draw a few more free throws per game that will really help elevate his game to MVP status but to me, Patrick, I think this was his best game of the season and most complete game of the season. And it just really stinks that it came on a bank three from somebody of the same Duke Brotherhood as him. Honestly, probably just hurt him a tad more than a regular one would.
1: I'll even I'll even go far to say that this might be a top five all time game for
0: him. Ooh,
1: and 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 people can can think that's a hot take, and just outside of maybe like that fifty point triple double in the playoffs, man, that I can think of and and some other big playoff games. This definitely to me was his best regular season game as a professional Uh, just because it's not so much as just looking at a box score and seeing it. I just thought he was making – he was so engaged. Like In in the beginning, he missed a few shots, but was able to kind of just still be great. And he was good on defensive in this game as well, like he was in the Spurs game but then the offense was there and the playmaking was there. I just thought this was like the most complete Tatum I've
0: ever seen. Yeah. It was wonderful to see, man. And like I said, it felt like he could have had 15 assists, you know, I had some players made some shots. Like, you know, I know smart missed a few down the stretch. People are giving him, giving him a lot of, you know, crap for that. But, uh, I think smart, you know, he didn't have a great shooting game, but I didn't think he played a pretty solid game, man. Um, yeah, had just a couple extra threes, you know, I wish he didn't miss down the stretch, but, you know, to make Miss League, man, that's really what it is. But, uh, you know, next Saturday, man, we got the Knicks again. And I really am hoping we, we pull this one out with the win because, you know, like I said, my overall mood, um, you know, or my overall like view of the Celtics long-term, what their ceiling is, you know, what they should do future-wise was never going to change on the back of these two games. But my mood definitely is affected by the Celtics. I'd be lying if I said any different. So in order to have a positive, you know, Positive Saturday night. Hopefully we can, you know, get a win against the Knicks. Uh, you know, kind of our own revenge game on freaking Evan Fournier.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing in this game I, I didn't want to go unnoticed was was Jason Tatum tied this game. He hit a huge shot, huge jumper fadeaway and and swished it to tie the game. Unfortunately, there was still time on the clock, uh, just over a, a second, and that was enough for R.J. Barrett to just – and I will say Jason Tatum was the one who was guarding him. And I even rewatched the shot a few times. And Tatum may have fouled him. He had his hand on his hip, and then he had the other hand contesting. So he could definitely have been called for a foul. But it, his, oh man, uh, that was that was just a tough shot. At the end of the day, you you go, all right, man, you hit a ridiculous shot. I'm not even mad at it because Jason Tatum was there. He was all in his grill defensively, and you tip your hat to him. So uh, good, good stuff by you know RJ Barrett to, to end up getting that that three pointer fall.
0: Yeah, RJ's my guy. I'm an RJ believer, but that pained me. Um, and in, you know some sarcastic uh sort of gloom. I may or may not have changed my Twitter name to RJ Barrett fan account. I don't. That was a mistake in hindsight, but um that pained me to see that go off the glass and then I didn't even think the banks were open that late Patrick, but you know, it is what it is, man. Like I said, it doesn't really affect my, my you know, big picture view of this team at all, but it's frustrating nonetheless.
1: Yeah, this, this definitely been frustrating this season to see this, but, uh, and also I, I wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit on the e may fire EMA for some reason, it's kind of coming up more and more. I, I don't even put all this on email either, man. Uh, I know May made some comments about how they need leadership to step up and the mentality of the team isn't as strong as it should be. And where's the lie? You know, like he's not lying. It's nothing he's saying that's that's wrong, I think. Um, he's not even going really harshly or directed. And also we uh, Lucas talked about how he thinks some of the comments he made he's just asking for a point guard at mm-hmm. this point asking for a playmaking point guard because can you read that this team problem? really needs it do you have the quote? Um, i'm but, sorry
0: to interrupt you but
1: no 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 i think um i think i actually have it i think i sent it to you so i might well, what order. what
0: he was saying just said to me like uh you know oh i would love a playmaker i just would love to hear the exact quote so you guys can kind of hear uh hear what I'm saying.
1: Um, I could definitely look it up here, I but uh, let me try to get it up here now. But
0: yeah, the, 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 uh. you know, also just for a quick intermission, I mean, Tatum's going to make the All-Star game, everybody. We can be happy about that, right? Um, you know, he is averaging um, 20, 26, 9, and 4. You know, those are pretty good. You know, as a efficiency could use a little boost, um, but you know, we know the bad shooting, uh, bad shooting start to the season really dropped those efficiency numbers. And then Jalen... You know, who is also a candidate for the All-Star Game. I really hope he gets in. I really, really hope he do. He's averaging 24, 6, and 3 on, you know, a little bit better efficiency. Almost 40 from 3, almost 50 from the field. So, you know, got to be happy about that. But, uh, Patrick?
1: Yeah, so I got the quotes here. Um, I got a few of them, so we'll rattle these off. Um, Ime, like said, repetitive result is happening. Said it will keep happening if the Celtics don't make changes. Said they need leadership to stop them from getting rattled. Also said it's been the same result. Some kind of lack of mental toughness there. Also, Ime said, I think it's a lack of mental toughness to fight through those adverse times. Said they need a calming presence to slow us down and get us what we want down the stretch. And then Robert Williams even added, said Ime Doku is 100% right. We get rattled a lot.
0: Um, yeah, you know, so that one about we need the calming presence. I mean, to me, if that's basketball wise, that very much screams point guard or playmaker, whether it's like a traditional point guard or maybe a point. Derek White. See, bro, you, I would love Derek White. You know, maybe closer to the deadline, Patrick and I will probably do a show about some trades, potential trades I put through the trade machine, see if the money works, blah, 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 things of that nature. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do that, but you know, I won't throw out any hypotheticals now, but Derek White would be wonderful, but, uh, yeah, I think Ime just that quote really screams to me, you know, like, let's get a point guard on the team. Let's get a ball handler, you know, somebody who can just put us in a set, um, you know, to operate our offense, how it should be operating, you know, when we haven't scored a bucket in a while. So we don't just end up, you know, shooting another three. You now, with that being said, I think those guys are a little bit few and far between right now. Um, I got, but we'll, we'll, the closer we get to the deadline, the more we'll dive into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. At this point, this team is kind of in a, in a funk right now. We're hoping that they they learn from it. And we, we talked about how Jason Tatum also had some, some comments to say. Um, I have those actually pulled up as well. So Jason Tatum it says, it's tough, but we've just got to regroup. Obviously, losses, this stretch kind of is tough. Losing leads and just not finishing out in the fourth quarter. Jason Tatum said this tough stretch has made him appreciate times like the trips to the Eastern Conference Finals even more. So um, we did talk about this, uh, Lucas, but we just think that this is a a good growing time for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, man.
0: Yeah, 100% agree. And, you know, when, when you're, you know, handed things like Eastern Conference Finals appearances, you know, back to back to start your career while playing, you know, Uh, big role in the team you know it might seem like like jason said that's normal but it is definitely not normal everything is earned in this league not given um and you know i think that's you know it's been a humbling moment like you said and i I can't wait to see how the team rebounds you know post trade deadline post all-star break and things like that but uh i don't know patrick have you got anything else i think we covered pretty much everything
1: no, man, I think we gotta get ready for this uh, next game on Saturday. um, but also, we need everybody, please to go on to Apple Podcast and please leave a five star rating and review I hope so. Yes, sir. Download it. That would help us out a lot. We have been really trying to work hard to get uh, these shows out to you guys. Also, Spotify allows you to rate now. So if you can go on Spotify and go to our show and give us a five-star there too, that would also help us out a lot. Uh, We do have quite a bit of people in Green Room right now that are coming and supporting us. Uh, We do these live shows on uh, um, Spotify Green Room. It helps us out a lot. People come in here. You can ask questions and stuff in the comments and stuff. But also I want to give the opportunity to, to invite some people up from the crowd today to ask some questions to Lucas and I. Uh, if you have any Celtics questions or anything, you can request. Go ahead and put those requests in now. While you guys are putting those requests in, um, Lucas and I are on Twitter at Opinions. You can find me and then at Luca underscore gainer. You can also find the show at ethos Celtics um, as well. Just go ahead and give those a follow. Um, I tweet from the ethos Celtics account during the game, give you guys kind of a breakdown of each thing. that I'm seeing as I'm watching the game, I watch it live. Lucas watches it live. And a lot of times we try to hop on here after games and just kind of give you some content.
0: And, uh, and, you know, maybe soon enough I'll get the, to the Twitter login and you guys will be able to play the game. Was this tweet Patrick or was this tweet Lucas? Um, that would be pretty funny. But, um, yeah, honestly, shout out to every single person who pulls up the Green Room to listen to us every time. You know, I really, really appreciate you all. Um, and even if you're here, you know, go download the show. Just appreciate those, you know, bump those numbers up. Shout out to Manscaped. You know, we still got that promotion going on, man. It's not it's not Christmas time anymore, but that's no excuse, man. You could still look your best. Go to manscaped.com. Use the, the promo code Hoopball20. Get your things. I know you're letting your beard get a little too scrubby. Okay, you know, fix that up with some Manscaped products. Highest quality. Hoopball20. That was my
1: best ad read <laughs> yes, sir, ever. man. That was my best. Yeah, it was the best ad read ever. And Lucas is. Uh podcasting Why career to this point man i love it oh man i loved it man i i, I really did i i think lucas you did great uh if anybody does want to come up and ask a question or you want to drop a question in the comments go ahead and drop that there um in the meantime i will ask lucas a question so we'll give you time to kind of get it requested. lucas on your panic meter with this team on a scale of one to ten where are you
0: Panic meter, this is all relative, right? So, um, I'm, I'm gonna to the cool five. Cool five. Cool, cool five. five. Things need to happen, you know, in order for me to be not, you know, concerned at all about the future of this team and everything. Um, but I'm also not like, we need to rebuild, which is what a 10 would be, you know, things like that. So, I do think definitely some moves have to be made, like Brad said, and I quote, he was going to make some roster tweaks. Uh, I also should mention we started today making those tweaks. Unfortunately, cutting Chicago legend Duke Legend Jabari Parker from the team. He was waived. Uh, you know he's pretty solid here, but not a guy we wanted long term or anything like that. So I believe the roster tweaks have begun. And, and you know, I just would say be keep your eye out for Brad making some you know edge of the edge of the rotation moves uh, during the during the.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, another thing on the Jabari Parker thing, man, it was, it was a nice stint here in Boston, man. There's no hard feelings towards him. I thought Jabari Parker had, he had his moments. There were some games where he he gave us some really good minutes and even in the postseason last year, when we were kind of down some guys, he got some playing time and he actually played really well. So, uh, I, I wish Jabari Parker personally the best. I hope he does get on in their NBA roster. I hope he gets the opportunity again, uh, a guy is—he's uh, had quite the journey in the NBA, and I, I just hope it, it continues for him.
0: 100% agreed. I met him one time uh, at a Chicago Sky game, very briefly, Dapped him up, um, told him that the city of Chicago believed in him because they sure do. Um, super nice guy, you know. He, he was taking pictures with a bunch of people, you know, just a regular dude. And he's a cool guy, so I hope his journey continues somewhere else. And if it doesn't continue, continue somewhere else in the NBA. That guy could give any Euro League team twenty points off the bench in the starting lineup. It doesn't matter. So he definitely has basketball ahead of him in his career. And uh, you know, he's a really thoughtful guy. Just, you know, shout out to Bari, but you know, he will not be continuing his his journey with the ball. Oh, we
1: got we got one of the questions in the in the comments here. It says is Neil Smith okay. playing tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> Lucas, man, no, oh man, he's just trying to—he's trying to play with my heart a little love bit. Uh, Neesmith is my guy, man. Um, it was interesting to see that only Broderick uh, Thomas and Peyton Pritchard were the ones not available last game. However, we didn't see Aaron Neesmith touch the court, so um, yeah, I don't, I don't conspiracy, know. Conspiracy, Patrick. I don't know. I I think it might be honestly, it might be conditioning. I don't think it was just because like he just didn't make the court in this scenario. I think he's he's done enough to kind of get at least like a couple like minute stints here and there because like I think Ennis Freedom got some playing time. So I don't I don't necessarily think that this game was him just kind of getting phased out, but it could have been, uh, just because like I think Dennis got way too many minutes to be honest. Um, but also. I think I think Neesmith gets gets some minutes tomorrow, so I will say yes.
0: I think it's probably conditioning, but here we go. Just keep an eye out. I think everybody, if uh, if Neesmith is not playing, if he's doing DNP CD, do not play. this decision in the coming games. The trade deadline is creeping up. I'm just saying maybe there's some talks involved. You know, Neesmith play with some value. Um, if we continue to see these DNP CDs. I have a hard time believing that's not because there might be something in the works. That is speculation for me, though. I could be way off base. Um, but, you know, that's just maybe something to keep in mind. Also,
1: a report just came out that uh, Evan Fournier is questionable Saturday with a left thigh. Um, so, also, we I'll had another comment. Man. And another question, too, was what are your thoughts about who should have been who on Saturday? And if Edvin Fournier plays, I want Marcus Smart on him at all times, and I don't want them to switch. I want Marcus Smart on him at 100% of the time.
0: Listen, part of me wants, part of me wants to put Smart on whoever's the point guard, right? To just disrupt the flow of their offense and then have Jalen and Jason take turns on Fournier if he plays. Obviously, I understand, you know, wanting Smart on him, Smart's, you know, top three perimeter defender in the NBA. But I do feel like, you know, if we bite off the head of the snake with, uh, with Dennis, I mean, with uh, smart guard in the point guard, I think that could do us a lot of favors. However, you know, that would mean Neesmith minutes. So, you know, we'll see. And also I have no idea if is playing. I think that's, he's going to be more of a GTD uh, game time decision, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, man. And I think that's, uh, does it for us here. It doesn't look like there's any more questions coming in for us. So, uh, Thank you guys again for stopping by. We appreciate your support. It means a lot to us. It really does. Uh, we can't even express that enough. It's overwhelming, especially with the people who come here all the time and show us love. Lucas and I really do appreciate it, and we appreciate you guys. From-
0: yeah, next show, maybe Uh, feel free to hop up. You know, We'll maybe try to cut it a little shorter next time so we have some more uh- – you know, some more time to answer some questions. So seriously, do not hesitate, you know, if you show up, uh, you know, we're always, we're always willing to answer questions here on Greenman. That's why.
1: Yes, sir, man. Thank you guys all for stopping by at Ethos Celtics Podcast. Uh-huh. We're out.